Living overseas gives you the chance to meet people from all walks of life. New friends are always coming. Old friends sometimes go. It's just how things are around here. A friend heading home for greener pastures is bittersweet for a possible lifer. On one hand, you're happy because their excitement for a new beginning is infectious. All the possibilities of home, old friends, holidays, family. On the other hand, a part of the community, a part of your social circle, a familiar face at the bar, a regular name on your recent call list, a part of you leaves. I say all this as I reflect on the words of a departing friend. Be the glue, he said. You're going to see lots of people come and go. Lots of friendships strengthen and break. But there needs to be a base to support it all. The middleman. The common denominator. The glue that holds it all together. Be the glue for our friends. Be the glue for the community. To that friend who may be listening, if the Wi-Fi can reach that far, your wise words are still with me. And I'm trying, but my efforts are modest in comparison to those of today's guest. I am but a bottle of Murpur compared to this tub of Kangliok Bonde. Today's guest is Jason Thiel. He sat down with us to discuss his interesting career in photography, his role as a community leader, and also some of the current challenges of running Ulsan City's biggest English resource, Ulsan Online. Hope you enjoy. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life. Today joining us is the one and only Ulsan Online photographer extraordinaire, Jason Teal. Welcome, my man. Thank you for having me. No problem. It's, uh, again, we tried to do this months ago, but got torpedoed by uh, by the Rona. But we're here today. I just want to give a quick shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Congratulations, gentlemen. Tampa Bay. Fresh in, right off the press. (laughs) And Chucky MacArthur, winner of the pool. Congrats, buddy. You, uh, I think you're you're most known here, or most recognized here for your work on Wilson Online. Yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you give us a maybe a brief history of its uh, or give us its genesis story? And, okay. And where it is today? Well, I think for Wilson Online, you've got to jump back probably to about 2003, um, and that's where we had the Wilson pair. And I'm not sure, were you guys here in 2003? Yep. You were. 2007, I came. Didn't Dano, wasn't Dan, didn't Dano start something before the pair and then it became the pair? No, no. It was kind but of he's in this story after. somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. He okay. was a little bit after. Because I remember he's in this story somehow. Okay. So, so on Putin? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> but basically what it was, was uh, Finn Madden, myself, and a few other guys, we started the Olson pair, I think probably summer of 2003. And actually... I interviewed Troy when he just opened the bench uh, as one of like my first projects. So we ran that until I think 2008 was when we finally uh, put the nail in the coffin on that one. I went back to Canada for a short bit and then that's when Finn sort of put together a rudimentary site called Olson Online and essentially he took the content that we had with the pair and put it online so they copied the maps over and then when I returned in uh, I think February of 2009, we sort of hammered everything out. Marty came on to like code everything. And then um, I think Finn left, geez, when did Finn leave? 
Like sometime a few years after that, he passed it on to D. Mm. D worked on it for a while, and then 2014 was when I came on, and then sort of by that time it was the site itself was really showing its age, and we had about I think I think just over 3,000 members on the on the Facebook group because the Facebook group was started December 9th, 2011, so mm. it was slowly growing. And then I invested a chunk of money to get it back up and running, to get the malware off of it. And then I think now we're pretty close to almost 10,000 members at the moment in time. Nice. And then the site is due for an overhaul, uh, which I've got to figure out somehow to, to, to do as well. I, uh, I remember talking with co-teachers probably 2007 or 8 and thinking like oh we really need a website for the city there's lots of foreigners mm-hmm. and that's when the epic program began yeah and i thought oh man a, f- a website would be great and just google nusan online came up and i went look at this and at first it was garbage it was just like the movie the and the, the, the movie listings and, and maybe a couple bus routes and i thought yeah yeah i could do better than this. that's all that was in wilson at that time <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> There wasn't much going on here then. I thought, oh, I could do better than this, but obviously I had no idea about coding or anything. But it uh, it, it really took off from there, man. It's awesome. Yeah, I Ten, think oh, ten thousand like, users. How many of those do you think are active these days? Uh, usually per day it varies. I think anywhere between like three hundred to I think uh, I've seen up to about a thousand. You know what determines active users? That's that's the you know like as I said. There are some. Are we talking pandemic numbers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of people who read, and there's a number of people who actively contribute. Um, sure, but I wonder, due to the transient place or, or job that most people have mm-hmm. here, coming and going, once they leave and they're the the Ulsan alumni, yeah, how many of them? I mean, obviously, some of them still read and, and sometimes contribute still, but how many of them are just sleepers on there? If that's a huge portion or not many or no no way to tell. I think it, there is a large portion of people who have been in Ulsan or are coming back or we do get a lot of people who are uh, family, actually, of people here that want to stay up to date on what's going on, especially now with the pandemic. So I would say there are a few thousand that are, as you say, like sleepers or people who just want to keep up to date. Mm. But they're in myself Canada. included. I I see Wilson online things pop up all the time, and I I should do a better job of contributing. But I feel sometimes other people can answer answer better than me. Well, yeah, like I mean, um, as I've always said, like there's it, there's no pressure for anybody to contribute. And like myself, usually in the mornings, I'll I'll jump on and see if I can find some sort of answer for. I think like these days, there's been a lot of dog stuff so I'll, I'll sift through and try and find a dog groomer for somebody you know <laughs> as i'm drinking my morning coffee but uh what are what are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles you have in running the page on a whatever daily or regular basis well primarily it's a one-man show and and that's that's the biggest challenge but i think like a lot of it is right now it's it's mostly to do with the websites and just maintaining that so at some point in time, as I said, I have to overhaul the entire website. And the other challenge, I think, is just dealing with uh, people's expectations with regards to posts on the Facebook group that I have to delete. So I've got a lot of uh, blowback from certain individuals if I have to delete their comment or their post or send them a, hey, can you stop? doing this it must be mentally taxing being the online social police 
Yeah. And it, especially for so much stuff that's obviously offside and you can't put that out there. Yeah. And for the most part, like, what was it? This is going to sound like a cheesy quote, but remember there was that scene <laughs> in, uh, what was it, Batman or something where there's like some people just want to watch the world burn. There's a lot of people like that, however good intentioned it is, they just want to kick up some trouble and then just sort of back off and be like, oh, hey, well, I don't, it wasn't me. Yeah. Case in point, like I had some people say, well, I'm going to call the cyber crimes unit on you guys. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I <laughs> just oh, wow. calm down. And, you know. Cyber crimes unit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, because. <laughs> I don't even did think. You, did you dodge taxes on the on the no income for rules on that? Oh yeah, exactly. That Jeez, was yeah. But it was also like you know there are some serious stuff that is mentally taxing where like, uh, you know the there was an issue with some of the the language exchange groups. Uh, right. There was some harassment and stuff. Harassment and all of those messages came to me one night, mm. and there were quite a few. But then. Like the negative aspect of this is where it sort of is taxing where people are thinking I'm the jerk by suddenly not allowing right. uh, the language exchange groups to post freely on the site, despite saying like, hey, like guys, like there's some shady business, like mm. let, let's just work this out. But they're still like, oh, I don't see why we can't just like do this. Well, then you end up babysitting 20 different groups. Exactly. Yeah. Sort your shit out and come back. Yeah. But I think a lot of people have gripes with not being able to post freely on a on what they view to be a free platform. But, yeah. You know, if it's not regulated, yeah. it's going to be a disaster. You're going to have... Oink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it just spirals out of control. Now. Well, the, the big thing here is, is that like I've like over the last like six years, I've tried to like gently guide, steer away from the oink style groups uh, into something where we have now where people can come here and say like, look, I can't find Sage and, you know, and not have a bunch of people like giving them the finger or mocking <laughs> them where there's actually people who are giving, you know, like, well, you know, if you go to Home Plus and you go to the Spice section, you'll find the Sage, you know, you'll find Jason Teal with his stick, you know. <laughs> that was my, that was my first thought when I, when I saw that comment, it's kind of funny. You know, I just, I imagined like a, a cloaked man with like a glowing green ball on top of a stick. But it's changed so much from, from when we've come, right? I yeah. mean, like, and we'll always say, and it's not better or worse, it's mm. just different. And, and I can appreciate both eras or, or yeah. generations, but we used to run across the street and high-five the only other guy in the city when yeah. we'd see him. And, you know, we used to take the, take the bus to Daegu to buy cheese. Yeah, yeah. Because we figured out how to do it, and that's how you do it. We had to go to Costco and Daegu. But now, you know, it's <laughs> there's so many petty requests, and, and where can I... Hey, come on, do a search. Don't be so yeah. lazy. Well... Come on. You know, like, we've... You know, think about, like, the stuff that you guys have done... Um, you know, with the sports teams and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when we did, like, the whole reason the pair started and I was, I remember motorcycle when Motorcycle rally, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like we did a motorcycle rally. But a lot of times what it was was you would meet this, like, foreigner that had been put out in, like, Jongja somewhere. Yeah. And they're like, they just came into Mugadong and they're like, another foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki B. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where are you? Pangojin, where's that? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, they're like, how do I do the garbage bags? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this old lady keeps yelling at me every time I put my garbage <laughs> bags out. She keeps, and that's when we started like putting together the the newspaper and 
you know, trying to get all this stuff done. But I think now it's, there's that sense of entitlement where like I sort of noticed it uh, with, you know, my wife is a, an English teacher and some of her co-teachers, it's just like, well, why isn't this done for me? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's like, kid, you, you flew in here the other day, you know, hit the ground running. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it seems like a pretty thankless job. What inspires you? What what drives you to persist and to press on when it's it's more hassle and flack than than appreciation? Well, I think it's it's just there's that sense of I don't know, I wouldn't call it a duty, but it's just sort of I've been doing this for so long, it's just been a, a, a thing that I do and yeah, it's it's not done well all the time. Like sometimes it's it's there's room for improvement, but it's just like the other day, like I, I did the a recent article on the apps. Now, you know, that's been sitting on the back burner for a while, but it, it's one of these things where I just feel that it has to be put out there. And then with the stuff on the Facebook group, it's one of these things where, you know, as I said, I'm just sitting with my morning coffee. I know this answer or I can easily find it. Somebody's obviously stressing about it. So, <laughs> you know, you need that sage. You you know? that. So I should put my more questions on there. You got that much time. I got a lot. I got a lot of questions. Well, Mike, you can probably yeah. ask you the same thing for for Weehl. What like you get you make almost nothing. You just you continue to continue almost to nothing. Do. I lose. Yeah, I know, yeah. You make almost nothing. Come on, don't give the wrong impression. Listen, yeah. so I'm where minus. Listen, come from? I'm minus. <laughs> Nate got a tank of gas in 2014. <laughs> I won't let him forget it. Okay, but but in the, in that case, I think we see it the same that we see it as a an opportunity to give back to the community give back to society we live here korea has been amazing to us with wives mm -hmm. and kids and jobs and and success so in in our eyes do you see the ulsan online position job duties as volunteering and giving back to the community or i wrote some notes down before about monetizing not only that but but the photography and stuff do you see it as a volunteer position because you know you're not getting any money or <laughs> forced volunteer or are you kind of joked that it hasn't been monetized yet or well, it's it's sort of uh, that that's a that's a big question but like I, I do feel especially now that we sort of like um, haven't made any money like as a, like every time my site fees come up it's just like <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> and especially with COVID, it's like, ah, oh, geez, okay. So it's it's the Ramian surprise night for that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, uh, but it, I think it's like with monetization and stuff like that, it, it's, it's a slippery slope because, you know, you get into when I first got on, I remember one guy told me, he's like, oh, yeah, that, that's a cash cow. And, you know, <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I mean, you can you can think about like all the places. Um, and this is kind of a funny story because my my mom sent me a link to my local Brandon uh, version of Olson Online and uh, their advertising fees are astronomical. And this is for a city of like only 50,000 people. Mm. So immediately like. But so, the majority of them speak the same language. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we're your, your target audience here is is Across apples and oranges yeah. compared to to Brandon. But point being is that, like, if I was in it for the money, yeah, like I would, I'd be doing something like that. But it's right. it's it's not it's it's nowhere near what it like. You know, if you if I'm really trying to copy, say, uh, boost on haps or or all those things, like those are businesses. Then it's a full time job, right? Yeah, and I mean, the the thing here is, is you know. 
I'm I'm running in the red most years with it. You know, like yeah, there's people that contribute for advertising, and and the only thing with that that I've done is just sort of put up a a cash wall for people that are making money off the community. Mm. You know, because like I work hard to make sure that people aren't selling empty boxes of iPhones and you know <laughs> stuff like that. So. Yeah, so if people want to want to advertise legitimately, then they go through the channels and and that's where it goes and it helps me, you know, say update the site or something. Would you ever consider making I mean Haps is a welcome addition to the southern part of the country. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. It's a it's a great resource for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how popular it is, but every time I go on there, I find something useful. Mm-hmm. Would you ever consider I mean, Wilson's a lot smaller city. We don't have the 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 arts and the culture and the sports teams like they do. Yeah. Um the, the beach popularity that they do, would you ever consider doing it like that or taking it to the next level? If there was, if there was a solid, I think, demand where it was worth, worth the time, like if, if right. there was like a team of people, and again, we've, we've talked about like approaching the city for this, like, but as a one-man show or, you know, like um, as it is now, I, I think it would be, it would be digging Wilson Online's grave. To, to be honest, because mm. uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and uh, I think too, if it if you're not making money off it, you're not you don't have to answer to anyone. Not not everything's done to, to the best of your potential. You don't always have time to do it. Yeah, but you know if you're that's not, part if of it's, it. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. You're not you don't have to be held accountable or responsible that it's not exactly how it should because it's not a full time job. It's, yeah, yeah. It's been running since what 2003. <clears throat> What's the current direction of the site and page? And ideally, where do you want to see it in two years' time? Okay, well, basically, what I'm gearing the page for is we're kind of because like things have changed. Like, as I talked about, like with the readers of the newspaper back in the day, like you guys remember, it was pretty much in every bar and people read mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. in the only English thing to read in town, yeah. <laughs> and then blogs came out. Yeah. And then that's where it tanked. And then um, when the height of Ulsan Online was there was because every, you know, if you searched something, it was a website. And then now we have Facebook groups. You know, you have, you know, certain groups that are, you know, 40,000 members strong in Korea. Right. Um, so what I'm gearing the page itself towards is more the people who are coming in. So when they get in, there's a page that they can say, like, when they get into their house and be like, what is this panel on my wall? I've mm. never seen this heating system, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a diagram here. Okay. And so that's why if you go on the page now, you'll see a start here, a uh, little button. Mm. And that's putting all of those kinds of like, how do you do the garbage or how do you get your driver's license is the next one we're working on. I used to just throw the regular black bags out and people used to hang them back on my door. Mm. And one time, they, one time they brought two bags up. So the next day I left my girlfriend outside, but... I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I, I used to do like the ninja, like, you know, I'd wait until like a car goes by, dive roll, you know. <laughs> I used to walk down the street to his place to drop off some of my stuff. Hanging them on the door, right? <laughs> this guy left a couch in front of my house. I got, I got burned a few months ago mm. and, and my wife, my wife scolded me for a week. She got called. I had put, you know, the, they come around and pick up the cardboard regularly. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, grandma yeah. and grandpas, that's their their pension plan is the yeah, recycling. Exactly. They have the carts. Yeah. They come around and pick up the cardboard. So we know that our recycling in our apartment complex only once a week or once every two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Second and fourth uh, Thursdays. So if it's in between that and you have a lot of – I mean, the apartments aren't that big. Mm. I don't have room for all that crap. 
if 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 I make a Costco run or it's Christmas or whatever, and I yeah. have that middle middle of the recycling time garbage, then I can just put it in a box. It's all folded. It's all whatever nicely. Put it outside, and it'll be gone within an hour. Somebody yeah. somebody will pick it up within an hour. Well, a few months ago, I put the box out there, and it wasn't gone in an hour. And everyone who walked by threw their coffee cup, pop can, <laughs> gum wrappers, chocolate bar wrappers in there. And then it became like the the garbage can. Yeah. So someone got choked and, and went through it and found that I didn't remove the full tech bay uh, label. Oh, uh, uh, you got to do that. There was only like one third of the tech bay label left. The, the, what do you call tech bay in English? Uh, delivery. <laughs> delivery. Service. Courier service. What, a third of my label was on there. And it had my... So they locate, they went to the Guali, the security, I don't yeah, even want to say these things in English, <laughs> the Guali Agassiz place. Yeah. And uh, they got the apartment number, my wife's phone number, phoned her at school and said, you have one hour to get this stuff off the street or you're getting fined. Oh my God. And she's calling me and I was working. I didn't answer. I didn't know. I, I just didn't. I was in the middle of teaching. And uh, so she raced home from school. She had to sort out all kinds of extra Bottles and cans and <laughs> stuff. Brought it back to her. She was furious. How much? How much is but, the fine? It's fifty dollars. <laughs> Quality addition. I'll pay you twenty five to get that shit. Yeah, off exactly. The <laughs> they don't. They don't screw around, man. No, Anyways, no. Oh, that was just recently, and I haven't lived that one down yet. But yeah, like so, the the page itself, we're gonna gear it more towards that because I think like a lot of the. Yeah, like, cause you know, like for us, we we joke about this, like, cause we can sort of navigate the turbulent waters, you know, the the gr- grumpy Gyeongbyajishi coming out and yelling at us for where you park the car. When you first get here and yeah. you have no idea why, why this surly old lady is like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, just want to, you know, yeah. I want to alleviate that, so I want to have like a page of of stuff where you know, they can go to and then just focus more on what's going on in Ulsan. Uh, because we used to do a lot of restaurant reviews and that that was great, except the There's amount no of... no more t- restaurants. Well, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, seriously, like I sat down today, like, okay, this one, okay, uh, out of business. That one, Flapjack Pantry, gone. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go into the map, delete, 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 yeah. delete. And, you know, so, like, those are great, but it's easier for that to be popped up on um, the Facebook page. So it, it's it's sort of reimagining what the site itself is used for and playing to the strengths of what the Facebook group is used for. Because, yeah. again, like, people want... You want more permanent stuff on the site. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's sort of the storehouse. Because, you, you know, how many times do you want to explain you know how to how to how to put the garbage bags out where it's just like okay read this article have you ever thought about like about getting that out there cuz i know a ton of co-teachers a ton of directors the staff at the college mm-hmm. i mean they go through a million headaches trying to explain to new students new staff how to do this stuff do you have a, a way to market it or to get it out there to them so that it's more accessible cuz i think a lot of people learn from from the grapevine or, or yeah. hearing from other people. But if everyone just said, listen, go to Ulsan Online, start button, everything you need to know is there. Yeah. Is there a way to get that out there? That's that's the tough thing because as you said, like we there there is so many branches and and this is something that like, you know, we, I think it's just what Facebook is now, where it's like if somebody comes it's like, okay, we're the epic intake of fall twenty <laughs> twenty for the western half of Ulsan <laughs> and we're going to start our own Facebook group but yeah, yeah. how do we do the garbage bags? I don't know. I heard that you just like put them outside. Yeah, yeah, 
and they disappear, you know, magically. And so <laughs> it's it's one of these things where like um, it's it's sort of tricky. Um, and if you guys have ideas, like if if somebody worked at a college that could like <laughs> you know put the word out or like had this English sensor. I don't know who who, <laughs> who could yeah who I, could I mean, possibly do that. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a thing that we can work on. Yeah. I, I had it down here collaborating with others in the city. Mm-hmm. That it's you know we we joke and there's a couple of these community leaders groups, but but they don't do anything. Yeah, they're absolutely useless. They're photo ops and free lunches. Yeah, but they don't get anything done. They're not productive. And we talked about starting one for We Hope, mm. a proper community leaders group with fifteen or twenty people who are actively involved in in doing good in the community who can make differences and changes and motivate their communities and and gather their communities to do stuff. Yeah. It is, it is very fragmented. Like you said, whether it's teachers coming in or, I mean, if you go to, to Ulsan university, it might be fragmented by, by nationality. Yeah. Yeah. Pakistani group. They got the, Right there. It is because you yeah, say yeah. that, but you don't think I pump Wilson Online's tires all day in the first two months of the class? Yeah. And then my students ask me the same question two months later. Where do I buy long grain rice? Oh my God. I told you this. Yeah. <laughs> ask anything on Wilson Online and 10 guys will answer in, in two seconds. Exactly. Yeah. What's Wilson Online? You know the thing I did for 30 minutes on the first day? But, you know. So, when we were doing the poker run maybe two or three years ago, I was. Just happened to be walking around downtown Mugo. Ran into a group of guys. Hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, and there, there was like six new guys and one guy that had been at Ulsan University seven years. You guys coming to the poker run? What's that? Like, you must know. You're on Ulsan online. He was, yeah. what's that? You've been here for I, seven I, years. I remember that guy. Yeah. You've been here for seven years? They were exchange, no they were exchange students. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and he ended up staying and doing his master's and everything else. Oh, wow. how, did, how, do you, how do you actively avoid that? Well, I think like a lot of times, and, and you guys remember this back in the day where y- you pointed at the group dynamic right there. There's like that one leader and he's he's the guy. Like, I know this stuff. You know, newbies, follow me. And <laughs> if you've ever been at an epic orientation or been had the unfortunate uh, thing of being um, pulled into the epic trainings Training, yeah. where it's like have you seen the one guy's live live tweeting or the oh, live yeah exactly yeah it's funny thing how do you say it. hello in korean we've already been here for six months yeah <laughs> <laughs> or it's like okay we have a long-term teacher um you know peter please come to the stage he's been here for a year and a half yeah <laughs> and you know like i remember the one guy he's like how many people have been here like longer than five years and like half the people put up their hands <laughs> longer than 10 you know like longer than 15 you know like i'm just the last guy but you know the the problem is is that they're they're trying to blindly lead a group of people and they're sort of kind of tucked into their own realm where most of the people now if they do an, a search for Ulsan, you know they're they're stumbling across us and but it, it's still an issue of, yeah, there are pockets where people haven't yet found it or it's so fragmented that, you know, they do a search for Ulsan and it's, yeah, the Ulsan intake of 2021, mm. you know, at 2 p.m., that sort of thing. We need some we need some DMZ tactics, man, those big loudspeakers. And exactly. All over the- <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need like, uh, what was it like the, uh, you probably remember that WHL um, when they had the T-shirt guns yeah. on the oh, back. Yeah. The, yeah. Just killed, like. <laughs> killed Mod Flanders. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody out there listening 
who who would you be interested in collaborating with? Who do you think could help make a difference and and to make it a more efficient or effectively run website and and page? You well, sell hacker? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I I heard those guys are hacks. <laughs> no, I'll I'll turn this around and say like if you have the time and the ambition, anybody uh, contact me. And because I, I think like I, what I want to open up is is I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth. And I mean, there's some stuff here that, uh, you know, I just overlook on my day to day basis that, you know, kids stumble upon that they get um, a little bit tripped up on. So if people are willing to to put the time in to help out if they have the skills, then by all means, contact me like because because the biggest challenge I have is that like there's people who come to the table. Hey, can you promote this? Can you promote that? But there's never any sort of I can I can help you by doing this. Like your your site looks like a piece of garbage. You know that that's what I was gonna say. Talk is cheap. There's a lot of people who can criticize and who can say I can do that. I can do it better. Mm-hmm. But but stepping up and doing it is is different. Well, like a good a good example. I had a guy uh, many many years ago um, who was calling me out for promoting I think the Whale Festival or something like that. I had just actually had lunch with the vice mayor who was actively promoting this and stuff like that. But then I said, well, yeah, you know, like this is a part of Wilson's tradition, yada, yada, yada. But if you want to promote veganism, I'm not a vegan. So if you can help the community by writing an article or something, and it was just crickets, you know, like he's calling me out for not being sensitive to that particular community. But then when I say, well, can you help? You know, because I don't know. Not a chance. Yeah, there was nothing. And and I think like that's sort of because I can't speak for the challenges of everybody, you know, like why not, Jason? How often <laughs> how often do you put something out there looking for contributors, looking for help, looking for people who can do front end, back end, whatever work? Well, here's a good example. And uh, if you if you do that, do you get any responses <laughs> or no? Uh, if you check my last two posts on um, simple things like uh, ongoing events in Ulsan and map uh suggestions nothing and you know and for me like that that sort of is the challenge because like you know that's just a basic thing because i know people are probably out there like i checked that calendar and man there's nothing i wonder if that's a symptom of corona or i think i find in my classes these days when even asking uh asking some people what are you doing for the holidays it's like are you going to your grandma's house uh, uh, or ask, yeah, ask yeah. an older lady like hey you going to the in-laws house like, oh, no I'm, I'm staying home yeah, yeah. I'm staying, maybe people are apprehensive to tell, talk about their plans but, but you know and, and but I mean like on the flip side of that but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that in, in you know watering holes around the city there's a lot of uh, constructive criticism <laughs> somewhere All right, man. if Wilson Online didn't exist there'd be a lot more difficult times for, for people here Let's change directions a little bit. Okay. I see, or I saw you got a new project started there, the Sajin. And I mean, this obviously will tie into the photography stuff too. Mm-hmm. But one, I guess, because it, it's related to everything you do, photography. Where did you come up with the name, the Sajin? And if you could just tell us about the new podcast, just started this month. What are you, what's the concept? Well, how did you decide to start? And what are you looking for? Well, first things first, the Sajin basically came from, I, I ran a contest years ago on my blog and uh, one of my friends Chris who uh, he has he used to have a fairly popular blog I can't remember the name of it now but he's he's a game designer now in Eastern Europe somewhere 
But yeah, he he won the prize, which is the Sajin, which came from, I guess, my blog brand. Mm. Means, you know, photograph in Korean. The podcast came out of boredom, uh, perhaps. Uh, it was sort of a, a thing of people were... People were like pushing for this medium or something else, and I have got a face for radio. So YouTube, like YouTube's not my thing. I tried it. Uh, I, oh, I you were doing the the online instructional yeah. tutorials, there, right? And funny story behind that. Uh, I, mm. I pretty much got like dragged through the coals, mm. um, despite having a master's in education, despite having this uh, career in photography. I got reamed out uh, by a couple of people, and it sort of took the flavor out of the uh, the online tutorial thing. They're questioning your qualifications. Oh yeah, or? everything. Uh, basically, what happened was uh, one of the uh, the big photographers. And I mentioned this in the first episode. Those were middle school kids. They acted like <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's sort of funny because, like, when, when I looked at the guy's qualifications, like they were they were the same as everybody every other photographers out there. It's just I've that, been taking pictures for. 15 yeah. Years and, uh, figured yeah. It out. yeah. Yeah. I've got a YouTube site too. Yeah. yeah. And, but yeah. what it, what it was, was that like, uh, and, and this is a good thing is w- whenever you do anything online, you got to put your best foot forward. And, um, you know, I had a website that I thought was okay, but on the grand scheme of things, you know, when you have thousands of people looking at it, yeah, yeah I could have, I could have updated it a little bit more. And so, yeah, like there was a couple of articles that were just basically uh, not so nice. Uh, and it took the flavor out of that. But also, too, like I think for me, I don't like being in front of the camera as much as I like being behind the camera. Mm. So um, the podcast was something I thought, well, I do a lot of ranting in my car. <laughs> and oh, that, I think that's a... Carpool ranting? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Dude, put a camera in the car and that's yeah. deadly. Uh, yeah, I can talk about Trump. You know, like every other <laughs> white guy in America. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just thought I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I, you know, I've got like 90 days on this free subscription. And I think if, you know, if, if it turns out in the end that like my mom, my wife, and maybe some random person listen to it. Yeah, maybe I'll like pull the plug if it, if it goes somewhere because I'm not looking. But you already have 50 downloads or something you showed. I, I got saw about on there. yeah, I got about 100 downloads now. There you yeah. go. Wow. But good. you know, like it, it's just like my expectation is absolutely zero. Mm, right. You know, like that's like, why that's when we started this. Yeah, we don't go out with the boys anymore. I said in the last one, we don't go with the boys drinking anymore. We yeah. have kids. We're responsible. Adults now, and really? uh, <laughs> and this is where we get to hang out. Yeah, we don't get to go to the bar and get drunk on Friday and Saturday anymore. So really, or, or we choose not to. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. He's got shifty no, eyes. You know, with 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 the guys, I mean, it's golf, soju, smokes, and yeah. I, I can't drink that much soju anymore because I oh. haven't done it for so long. I don't smoke. So it's it's like going in a horror house, horror house. It's just not my thing anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you know the kids are going to be up and going to be getting you know the the fifth degree from my wife. It's just it's not worth it. I I don't enjoy it. The fifth degree shit. I've only got up to the third degree before. The, uh, I'm only on two. I, I much more prefer to to get up and hang out with the kids, and so we get our time here now. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I think with the podcast again, like it was, it was just testing the waters because like i mean 
that's the medium. Like I know you guys uh, are doing an awesome thing here. What episode is this? 24. 24 now. Oh, okay. Coincides with the number. Um, Yeah, so you guys are 24 episodes in. And I mean, like, it's great to listen to, like, on my way to work and stuff like that. And I think a lot of uh, different things are on podcasts these days. And, you know, you don't have to have a video camera set up. You know, it's Mm. just. That's what I like about them. There's something for everyone. Yeah. You can find something that interests you. Yeah, exactly. there's, There's so many of them. There's some warehouses. Warehouses, yeah. <laughs> He's got his playlist on Overcast. Yeah. But it's uh, it, it's funny too. Again, we we started this with no no intentions of, of reaching anyone. Maybe a few guys who have gone back home who can, yeah who can enjoy it. But I'll get a message now like, oh bro, you're still in Korea. I listened to that. I liked you know episode sixteen or like people listen to this shit even with the even with brutal audio on some of them. You know, um, he told me on the other day, he got one from a relative at home. Jeff drinks six liters of Coke a day. Holy man! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, just, it was it was for my brother, and he was saying he's a big fisherman. Oh yeah, and he uh, he takes my little my cousin's children out who are now university students. Mm-hmm. But he takes them out fishing. He said they listen to the podcast for you know an hour and a half, two hours, yeah. and, and they just they laugh at stupid stories or just maybe like hearing my voice. Yeah, something know. like that. So you're you're starting out pretty short. I listened to two of them. They're about 10 to 12 minutes or whatever. Is that the intention because that's people's attention span these days? Are we totally missing the boat at two hours? (laughs) (laughs) Or or is that the intention just to try the 90 days and then you might get into more depth? Yeah. You're you're doing specific topics, right? Yeah, like I'm doing very specific. But I think that's like, it's a blend of all of that. Like, I mean, um, I like the long podcasts, but for for topics like this, uh, especially for the medium where I'm talking about places like... I don't want to get into like detail, like you know, Gyeongju, land of history. You know, yeah. uh, I want to basically like the whole premise is ba- is centered around um, something I brought up, I think, in episode two, where it was when I talked to professional photographers about Korea. There's that crickets again. You know, like they were like, oh yeah, you know, we're going on our Asian tour. We're going to go to Japan, China, Thailand. I'm like, what about Korea? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think once we like wind back around, like we'll fly through Seoul, maybe, you know, (laughs) we'll take some pictures through the airplane. Um, And so I really want to get, you know, people outside of Korea sort of interested and not beat on a dead horse. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the topics will center around places that I shoot, people who are involved. Um, So I've got an interview that I just did. Uh, with Peter DeMarco, that's about 37 minutes long. So it's mm. it, it'll vary, but it's just, yeah, right now, just keeping it short and sweet. I love uh, I love the lighthouse. Mm. Your Instagram page are Korean lighthouses. I don't know what, <clears throat> what's attractive about lighthouses to me, man, but... Uh, just seeing oh, them all together. Yeah. They're so cool. They're so cool. Even the... the I Power think I numbers. Before, the, the dragon one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Pez so dispenser. Cool. It yeah. looks like a Pez dispenser, yeah. So, but, so cool. Back to your other one about getting people to, to hit Korea on the way yeah. through. Don't you think it's evolved a lot now and it's a lot easier now? I mean, oh, yeah. before, the tourists were the same. <clears throat> Tokyo, maybe maybe something in the in the west, uh, come down Hiroshima, whatever. Uh-huh. Skip over here straight to Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, thanks to BTS and a lot of the guys before them that paved the road and Samsung and Yu Hyun Jin and all these guys, I mean... Man, when we came to Korea, it it was 
it was obsolete. Nobody knew about yeah, it. Yeah. And and now, I mean, I think it's more attractive than than both Japan and China at the moment. Oh yeah. Not just Corona, but I mean, the last few years, I mean, it's really evolved. And and Samsung, Hyundai, LG, they've all done their part to fifty fifty cases today. By the way, that was an update. For oh yeah, today. yeah, fifty cases. Fifty cases. Nice. Yeah, we oh, dropped. Oh. Calm before the storm, though. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's it's getting better. It's just, I think that the people who are coming over are completely different. So, like, I was just telling my wife about this, how I feel that, like, a lot of the kids um, that are coming now for, for BTS, like, I'm, I'm getting a lot of inquiries, um, you know, from people who have studied Korean before they came. Right. And it, it's still, though, it's like a... It's a low point uh, for the travel photography, which is it, it's it's climbing up more. Right. But it's it's a good example is uh, last year at this time I went to uh, Tokyo. I was on like a super secret mission because if my mother in law found out, she'd probably skin me alive, skipping Chuseok and going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. but you know. Uh, I think my tickets were thirty five thousand won for Tokyo. Oh no way! Oh yeah, it was it was ten bucks to Osaka. That's how cheap they were. Is that one of those ten dollars to Osaka and, and five hundred for tax? But that's no, the, no. that's the cancel Japan or, or no Japan. That's yeah, that was that was the height of the, the like. So like they were okay. like literally like it was it was dirt cheap. So camera check, Uniqlo jacket check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so when I went over there and got got the shots that I was I was trying to get for like so long, like a lot of the touristy shots, like you know I could go up to Seoul, shoot Dongdae Moon Plaza, um, the gates, Gyeongbokgung, and they do all right. Like, mm. but it was because everybody is still so focused on Japan, right? You know, so it, it's sort of like it, it's it's climbing up a little bit more, but. Um, I think it's still got a fair ways to go to be like an actual destination, but for photography, for photography, yeah. And I think though that well, you're not the ground level, man. Yeah, you gotta pave that, you know, make that foundation, dude. Well, I think it's like I've got to hand out huge props to the the Seoul Tourism Board and stuff like that because they've been they've been for years they've been doing backflips. Um, you know, even before BTS, like they they had um, like I went up there with a uh, National Geographic photographer, things like that, where like how they got these guys in just to bum around the city with us was amazing. Mm. But their whole purpose was to get these shots out so people can see the beauty that is in uh, Korea. But I mean, now you now you have so many international students coming now, yeah. especially from Southeast Asia and mm-hmm. Central, Central Asia. But there's a lot of people coming here to learn how to cook Korean food. Oh, yeah, yeah. And to, to meet the K-pop industry. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that never existed 10 years ago. I mean, it was Not just kimchi. Yeah. There was nothing else. It was just kimchi. But now, I mean, now there's so many dishes that are becoming popular and the whole the whole culture is just really caught on and made it easier. Yeah, and I think like it's it's a sign of the times because you've got uh, more content on Netflix, so people see like what's the big Kim's convenience. Kim's convenience. Love uh, that show, man. Oh, it's amazing, and yeah. and like I always thought it'd be great if they did like a uh, you know like a side season in Korea. You know, like I think they finished off where the one guy went to teach English here, but oh yeah. really. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's how the last season ended, or something like that. But kimchi? Uh, no, it's the the weird white guy from the 
No, I, I, uh, anyway, I still so, watch after season two. But like, I think with like the Korean dramas, like a lot more people are coming here. It's just I think the destinations are are what you know, like because it's people are coming to consume the music, the culture. So again, like in time, uh, Hyundai Beach or maybe you know places like that will will be up there with uh, you know like the uh, Thai beaches, Phuket, something like that. I, I also think that the Korean populations abroad have. You know, they have a little bit more mojo now instead mm. of just being those Koreans. Yeah, exactly. Now they're, oh, Parasite? Oh, BTS? Oh, Kimchi? Exactly, oh. yeah. And, and now you see Kimchi everywhere at yeah. home. And you see the Korean culture, you know, where it used to be just Chinatown and, and Little India or, or Little Italy. Now Koreatown is, is popping up and becoming a lot more popular in other places. Well, it, it's, it's amazing, like, where you find Korea abroad. Like, when I went to... Um, Saint of X and Aniganish, the IGA had kimchi, it had ramyun, it had seokgong, you know, like all these, like, and... But now the kimchi is more like tomato sauce. Exactly. Right? I mean, now you wouldn't it's, think it's Italian. It's, tomato sauce is Canadian, and now yeah. kimchi is almost... I mean, it's not Canadian. Don't tell Koreans <laughs> yeah. it's Canadian, but... No, no, no. I mean, it's becoming not a staple, but a, an, Ubiquitous, a common yeah. food, yeah. Again, after, uh, if the numbers start pumping up after 90 days, what do you... Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do with the uh, with the podcast? Uh, I think it it'll just blend nicely with the blog that I'm doing and just complements the whole sort of thing because like again like my expectations on this are like you can't I think these days too you can't be just unit dimensional is that you is that can't a word? <laughs> yeah, yeah no is that a word it's a cousin of the uni bro yeah, yeah. exactly uniqlo unique yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no it's it's true like um, this has been sort of the, I think the biggest change for or a challenge for a photographer these days uh, you look at guys like um, Peter McKinnon who's a Canadian photographer and one that I look up to quite a bit they're not photographers like these guys aren't the Joe McNally's or the uh, Bresson, Cartier Bresson, those guys anymore. They're Henri Cartier Bresson. You know, the, um, you know, they're like multi talented. They're multi talented. Like, I mean, we know uh, Salgado from his photos, but he didn't have a YouTube channel. Now, in order to get up to that level, you have to be like that guy who's spinning plates, like YouTube channel. Masterclass. Uh, yeah, masterclass, all of these things, buy my presets. Oh, I got jewelry now here. Yeah. Way bad sunglasses. Exactly. But they're Okay, they're so, so this is this is one of the things I wrote down then. Yeah. How I, I thought all this social media and stuff, I thought the the millennials do a pretty good job at it. They they're born into this system. Yeah. I mean, man, for us just doing the NGO stuff. It's it's time consuming. It's not what I love to do. I love to have contact time. Mm. I, I want to try to make a difference. I don't care about doing all the online stuff and self promoting and picture. I hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not interested in it at all. Sitting at my computer, you know, hashtag hashtag. I mm-hmm. I don't like that. The the young generation does it so fast it doesn't even affect their yeah. lives. It seems, or it's so incorporated it's just natural. But I've never seen a guy with as much stuff as you have when I was looking. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, podcast, uh, photo walks, photo channel. How on earth do you organize and prioritize all of these bloody things? And how do you stay active enough to make them relevant? Like on the podcast, you're answering guys, <laughs> you're answering guys' questions. Yeah. And on Wilson Online, you're you're mediating between a, you know a couple social media wars. 
How do you prioritize? How do you deal with all this he's stuff? Po- he's pointing at his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was one of these things. Um, to, to kind of put it, the lineage behind this, um, you guys are from good old Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think back to, to your family, and my dad was a guy that was into guns, and he was into the local wildlife association. Uh, he was doing about five, ten other things. And I remember, like most of my growing up was basically being drug along, you know, to random spots with my dad. You know, like uh, we'd go to the military base, and you know, like don't touch anything. You got to pick this up, and then we'd go to this, we go there, we go there, and uh, it was one of these things where, as I got older, I couldn't figure out why that guy got up at five o'clock in the morning every single day and this was why and he always had this expression called burning daylight and now it's the same thing like if i got if i have to get up to get a sunrise shoot i'm up at three thirty, four in the morning i'm off to gompo or somewhere mm. um and then while i'm waiting for these shots i'm yeah like seeing what disaster happened on the online <laughs> you know who offended who so delete delete you know keep it civil guys and then you know all of this at the same time and then it's just a it, it becomes sort of a cycle and you know coffee after coffee you're 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 running on b- both cylinders there mm. so what do you do to uh, to unwind um basically more what's coffee your, what's your yeah more coffee. cafes and coffee look coffee. over my pictures. yeah like exactly like a couple uppers, yeah a couple well it's exactly I, I think a lot of times it's just taking stock of where you are because like yeah a couple of mornings ago like yeah i had the coffee i'm i think it was where, that, where was it oceanside somewhere mm. some little town waves crashing in sun's coming up mm. and it was just a pure moment of peace and you know there's like i remember an old guy came around kind of nodded at me yeah Mm -hmm. Mm. and it it was just that communication was all it needed it was just that moment and and that's sort of where like when you talk about photography like the places i've got into not just in korea but like i was a little while ago i I took a trip to fukuoka and uh i was at some temple this guy just waves me over and i thought he was gonna read me out for taking pictures Mm. He's like, no, state opens the door. He's like, this is our prized uh, float thing for the the festival that they're doing that day. Mm. He's like, it's it's like centuries old. And he's like, if you want to just walk around, there's people playing instruments over there. And I was just like, and it was just so peaceful, you know. And those are the kind of places where like you just take a stock of, you know, I'm mm. from Brandon, Manitoba, and I'm standing in this ancient spot or on the beach side in Korea. One of those moments of realization. Yeah, where it just like smacks you and says, "Hey." You I know. get I get those lots. Uh, I used to write a, a small journal when I took morning bike rides, and I first got my bike. It was pretty mm. pretty exciting then to see sun come up and go down. One of my favorite things is watching the smoke come off the Tewa River. Yeah. Oh man, just sometimes again the sun's coming up. You're just like, oh, how did I get here? Yeah. Another funny moment of realization. 2007, getting my first uh, do my first visa run. Yeah. In Japan, just. Spent all the money at a bar that they give you to, to go over there. Yeah. And just taking a leak in a bar in Japan, just going, what? how did I get here? What am I doing? Hey, look at this Canadian boy out in the middle of nowhere. My, my <laughs> first visa run, I ran out of money because uh, they overshot my, um, they were supposed to be two days. Yeah. But they saved money by flying me home on Monday and didn't tell me until 
I got to like basically the airport <laughs> and they also didn't pay me. So I had basically like a handful of money. So oh, I actually ended up sleeping on a park bench. Oh, nice. And yeah, it was like that morning where I like woke up, uh, you know, it's just beautiful, but it was just like your head is just spinning as you're in this like random city. Oh, <laughs> that was uh, it's quite the adventure. What is that you mentioned Manitoba there? What is the chance that we are living in the same city in South Korea? We've both lived in Thunder Bay, mm-hmm. and I, I've lived in Winnipeg, and you and Brandon for a while. Yeah, I mean it's a small world, boy. Three three places. And two guys meeting in the middle of nowhere in South Korea. I, it's it's such an odd thing when I stumble across that because like the amount of times where I've had this exact thing, and when uh, I think we first got here, it happened like so many times. Like where I'll see like a like a lakehead patch, and I'll be like, "Hey, are you?" And then a the guy will turn around and be like, "JT." <laughs> you're like what <laughs> yeah these aren't famous places I yeah mean, you know like, like it's one thing if it's new york la and something else but there's yeah. random joes in random places around the world what about your ring the x-ring the x-ring big d's got one of those doesn't he malcolm x santa vex <laughs> that's yeah. uh big d's got one of those i think you guys if you have one isn't there a special handshake or no, i don't know if i'm <laughs> guys, a member of the Illuminati. Uh, yeah we we, we, we share rings. the power you know <laughs> But yeah, even that too, like I, I was up in Gyeongbokgung photographing and I had my ring on and some guys just like, hey, Sandivax. Yeah. Like, and, you know, for those that are listening, Sandivax is in like the, well, maybe you guys can help me with this, but Sandivax is in the tiniest town in the middle of nowhere, Nova Scotia. Good hockey team. Yep. Better than the Thunderwolves? Come Lots on. of good hockey <laughs> Thunderwolves. Yeah. It sounds like they're unbeaten. T-Bay Thunderwolves, <laughs> man. That's, that they didn't was, exist for long. No, no. <laughs> or, or, or they've only existed recently. But uh, well, I, I gotta ask though, like, what is it with Nova Scotia and like the universities in nowhere land? Like, I thought you know, like uh, Acadia was in you know this huge you know Halifax, but it's in Wolfville, Saint Evex. Is there a reason why they're like in these little tiny towns? Like, you're asking Mister Niagara Falls, who never Niagara- left Ontario. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you're asking a guy who never left Ontario. Oh, I thought I thought you were from Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia? Yeah, you got a little <laughs> bit of East Coast. I don't. I he, heard, he heard about it in his French class one yeah, day. Yeah. But that's what. Do I have an East Coast accent? <laughs> I was gonna make a, I was gonna make a, a joke earlier about you being Troy's interpreter, but. <laughs> uh, but no. yeah, yeah. So the ring, the ring is uh, the grad ring from Santa Vex, mm. and it's sort of like I think a tradition uh, that when you graduate, you you pick one up. So cool. I mean, that's and it's cool to go around and meet someone from you know the smaller the community or the smaller the the group that it comes from, the cooler it is to, to see someone. It's actually kind of funny because I um, I ended up you talk about weird occurrences out of the blue a couple of years ago. I got an email from. Thunder Bay Lakehead University saying you want to make a contribution well that was I think part of it but they're like (laughs) the president is in Busan and he wants to meet you really and I was like hey how did you get this you know like (laughs) I thought I I deleted all those like alumni connections but they're like no no um he wants to have coffee and then it was like that awkward moment of when you shake hands and he like oh you also went to, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, yeah, it was it was an interesting um, conversation, just a little bit surreal having the um, president of 
your former university here in Busan. But I think they're making a, or they were making a big push to get attract more Korean students, which would be a harsh reality, I think, for them. So (laughs) speaking of the prairies and the East Coast back home Mm. and and Thunder Bay, I mean, they're all, I think of Canada as one of the most scenic countries in the world. Mm -hmm. It's so diverse, east to west and north to south. Or south to north do the, are those part of your inspiration for your landscape photography or where a lot a lot of your stuff is sunsets and and landscapes of where does that inspiration come from or, or why did you get into that particular style of photography no oh, it, it was here um like oh, really? i mean when i went back home i wouldn't say i was uninspired by the landscape but you gotta you you know you know winter peg like it, it's uh, <laughs> like, it's amazing yeah well it's wide open um and for me, when I started getting into it, it was a long road back to find the interest in it. And this is something that uh, is kind of a weird thing. Like when I got into photography, I was blown away by the size of the cities here. I was blown away by the ocean. And it took me a long time. Like when I would go home on a rare occasion that I would do, my camera would sort of like collect dust. Mm. And... Because as a, especially as a single man, like I was just like, oh my God, like I worked for Manitoba Hydro. I spent every summer driving those prairie roads, you know, like uh, mile marker number 52. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was just boring landscape for me. And then when I got married and I remembered the first time my wife went home and you guys probably have this experience too. (laughs) You live in the countryside. Like Niagara Falls is not the countryside. Yeah, exactly. What's the population? 75,000. It's a country. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And when, when even actually in 2018, when my wife and I, we we sort of did like a road trip and it was the first time, like, because usually we ended up like in the midnight somewhere. So she didn't really see the expanse. And I remembered, you know, we jump into the rental car and she was like, whoa and it was just flat and for like an hour driving she's just like stopped the car i i really want to take this all in and it was at that moment in time where i sort of started to appreciate what aspects i was sort of overlooking because i mean as you mentioned like with the prairies especially like for a person that's grown up in the city stepping out and like it'll blow your mind yeah like well, for her, what it was, I think one of the times is I just told her, I said, you know, like there's not a single person in a five kilometer radius of where we're standing right now. And she's like, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and like and when we were I forget, we were up in Riding Mountain National Park and yeah. that was one of my all time favorite places. And yeah, that totally like she was just like, so there's nobody around. I said, yeah, there's more buffalo and bears here than there are people. <laughs> well, I remember. The first time, I mean, I we went back to Ontario to my brothers in London and, mm. you know, hung out in Toronto for a little bit. But once we went back to mom and dad's just east of the city in Winnipeg, so we take the north perimeter around from the airport. Yeah. And we're probably about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. And you take the north perimeter and then, okay, you can see the city on, on the inside is the city and on the outside is starting to get pretty farmy. And then once you get off the perimeter going out east and it's... That's it. I mean, it's just as far as you can see, right? And she's like, where are we going? Yeah. I said, well, this is where they're... You said they live in the city. Yeah. This is the, this is the city. <laughs> People choose to live here because it's, you know, it's it's considered to be safer and mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's a... We all drive in to the city, but this is called the city. Yeah. And we're, we're 15, 10 minutes from the perimeter. Yeah. 
but it looks like you're on the moon. Yeah. And and then we went on two dirt roads, and she's like, this isn't anywhere near the city. I was like, <laughs> the city's right here. It's only 10 minutes, and you're on the edge of the city. So um, for her, I mean, the look on her face was, are you sure this is where they live? What kind of place is it? And I was like, wait till you pull into these little towns and see yeah. how amazing they are. Exactly, yeah. And she was just... The concept of time and distance is so different here at home. Like <laughs> at home, driving 10 minutes or 15 minutes to the gym is... No, whatever, or, yeah. or 20 minutes to work. Here, 20 minutes to work could be like my house to, to Nate's house. Exactly. Which yeah. is a, it's like two kilometers. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, weird. but it's also 20 minutes to go to hockey and it's on the other side of the city. Yeah. It's weird. And this is 1.2 million people, but Winnipeg at 750, yeah. it could take you two hours to get to the other side of the city. Well, you know, and, and that, that was one of the things like, um, you know, I was doing a class a little while ago and I said one of the, the biggest concepts that you have to grasp in Canada is you don't measure anything by kilometers. It's by hours. Mm. You know, like, I know that Brandon to Regina is four hours away. I know that, like, you know, Brandon to Calgary is 14. Yeah. I can't tell you how, how many kilometers that is. <laughs> it's just because, you know, one of my students asked me one time, he's like, you know, Jason, how come you people don't fly? I'm like, well, that's expensive. We just had drive. And he's like, isn't that the same in gas? And I was like, yeah, probably, maybe. <laughs> it depends on how many people in the car, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, but it was, it's just sort of like we don't think of, you know, driving. As an inconvenience. Yeah, like my wife was, uh, when she came, uh, she wanted to go and see Thunder Bay. And I said, Why? well, yeah, it's it's 10 hours. Why? I don't City know. of champions, buddy. City that killed Terry Fox. Don't forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we put up a monument. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, she wanted to check it out. She thought it was like Winnipeg distance. Yeah. And she's like, okay, so let me get this straight. How far is it? I'm like, oh, it's about 10 hours away. Yeah. She's like, why did you go there? And I was like, uh, they accepted me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mentioned it on, on maybe a couple other ones. But, yeah, bringing my in-laws there and driving from Calgary to Thunder Bay and stopping all along the way at aunts and uncles and people's places with my in-laws. I mean, we farm out at the farm here. Yep. And the combine is the size of this table. Yeah. And to see my uncle's combine at, you know, 30 meters. Yeah. And he goes, you could you could harvest the whole country in yeah. a week. Exactly. <laughs> the yeah. whole country. And and here he's like, where does the property end? And I'm like, you can't yeah. see it. It's yeah. it's miles down that you can't see the end of it. It's just so that's why I say like I I mean, we moved there in ninety six mm. and coming from Thunder Bay, which is a very outdoor oriented city mm-hmm. and, and very old style. I mean yeah. it's it's nothing to do with with city living. And Everyone plays in the outdoor rinks growing up. Everyone goes farming or, mm-hmm. or sorry, camping and, and hiking and canoeing. And that's how we grow up. But when I moved to the prairies, I was like, wow, I'd been out there. But I just never understood the vastness of them. And every time I go home from Korea, because, I mean, these are big mountains to me. Moonsu is yeah, a big yeah, mountain yeah, yeah, yeah. to me at, at 400 meters. <laughs> and I've been in the Himalayas. I've been to Everest Base Camp. I, I've done lots of these things. But, man, going home to the prairies, I still go, Wow, this is amazing. Okay. It's incredible, especially when the colors in the in the the fall. It's oh, yeah. it's really really beautiful. Well, I think like too like like you know when when someone sees it for the first time like that like with my wife like we we typically go out to the prairies and then we take a pit stop in Vancouver. And the last time we spent a couple of days in Whistler, and I said you got to go to the top of the mountain. And she's been, you know, moons moons that sort of thing. So like she asked the lady, she's like, "Oh, how long does it take?" And she's like, "Ah, probably four to five minutes to an hour." And my wife kind of looked at her and went, "Are we hiking it?" And she's like, "No, no, you take the gondola." Yeah. Well, two, 
maybe three if you go right to the top. And I was like, what? And then, yeah, so when we get in and they're like, all right, we got to change here. We go further up. We got to change here. There's like no more trees left. And then we take like the rickety one all the way up to the top. You're in the clouds. And she was just like blown away by this. This like, isn't the Young Nam Alps. Ski- no. <laughs> Skiing. The Skiing's monorail. Funny. Skiing's yeah. funny too. How oh, is that done? The What's mon- that? The monorail? Uh, I think they've maybe, I think it broke actually. No, really? Yeah, I think Mono- it broke. Anyway. The, uh, it's funny too asking people here who go skiing how long is one skiing run 45 seconds to yeah. two to two minutes what about what about in uh you know out west i think some runs are 30 minutes two hours if you go right from the top of whistler Blackcomb. no yeah, yeah oh you can go all sure like like that was the thing like if you go right from the top like if you're like if you're able to ski the like the black diamond yeah. and i mean i like when we did it like I used to be a like a snowboard instructor. Mm. Even then, like it, you know, your your sphincter's puckered. Like you're, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. it was a solid. Like if you tuck, you can you can probably do it in an hour maybe. But like two hours, I would say oh on a, on a given. Well, that was always the best part of going to the real mountains. Was the yeah. last run of the day. You go as high up as you can. Yep. And you could be skiing, yeah, an hour after close because. That's how long it takes to get down to the chalet. Yeah. Oh, baby. So that's awesome. And yeah, like I mean, it, and like, like it's just like if you go out there, it is just mind-bogglingly beautiful. It's wild. Man. He'll never leave Ontario. Yeah, exactly. Easy, easy. So, so where, who, who are back to the photographer stuff? Yeah. Who, who are some of the guys that you look up to, or, or, or that you aspire to be like, or that mentored you? Or you mentioned some names before. Oh yeah, I did. Well, I think the biggest one that comes to mind is uh, the late uh, David Harvey. Yep. And I credit him because he was a former Lakehead guy. Uh, so he got me to uh, Ulsan. So like I would say back in the day when, you know, I got my first, uh, was it uh, student loan, like give us your money or die uh, letter. Uh, I, I emailed him and, <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, uh, you know, come to Ulsan. And so when I got here, sort yeah, he sorted me out and then we got into photography. And then um, he was kind of the guy who like even when he was at lakehead like he was the guy that was doing the ice races i'm not sure if you remember those on on the great lakes crazy stuff but so he mentored me got me into the basics of photography and he was actually a quite a, a well-rounded photographer uh, and his brother was too actually so when we went back to canada we did like rally races and things like that mm-hmm. And so then, like, that's who I really looked up to. And again, like, when I was published in National Geographic, like, it was the biggest honor for me to sign his book because he was, like, like, you know when you meet those people, there's, like, the people that, oh, that's a nice photo. Uh, I could do better. But, you know, Mm. and and then there's those people who, like, they're really, like, they know what it takes to do that. Genuine. Genuine people. So, yeah, like, that was actually the last time, like, I signed that in the summer when I went back to St. Abex and then the following December he passed away. Yeah. So. Having him pass away, did that affect your life? Does that, um, you know, usually if someone gets a diagnosis or yeah. passed away, I said earlier, you know, the, the veil is kind of yeah. kind of pulled back and you, you can see your path a little clearer. Well, what yeah. has it done? How has it influenced you? Well, I think like, like it was, it, like for me, it was like someone putting a, a shock into your chest and is pulling the trigger. Mm. Like it just gutted me. Absolutely. And I think that 
it was one of those things where we live in a bubble here, especially in South Korea, and a lot of the teachers and students here do where it's amazing. We can jump over to Japan and we can uh, do this and do that. And, you know, for a while, the money's good. You know, like you have an apartment, everything is taken care of. And it was that moment where like someone just like yanked the carpet and you realize that cancer is real. You can die. In, in, in a moment, like Dave got cancer in May mm. and he was gone by December. Oh, and yeah. it was a fast acting, it was in his pancreas and then it got into his liver. Um, and, you know, again, like when we talk about the differences, like Canadian Medicare, he was taken care of, but they couldn't stop that. And so that for me, as an older expat, you kind of step back and say like, oh, okay, uh, I'm not 23 anymore. Mm. I can't... No longer invisible. Yeah. Invincible. Invincible, yeah. <laughs> you know. <Sorry> about <laughs> but yeah, like, so bad things are going to happen. Yeah. And I think that, like, it was at that moment of time, too, where it was, I went to the school I was working at. And, yeah, I said, like, I need to go home. Uh, I've got, you know, a close friend who passed away. And they said, well, you know, as a direct family member. Kind of. And I said, well, it's it's close enough. And they're like, well, you know, like, is there a family document? Because, you know, and then, you know, there was that whole thing of trying to find a replacement. And by the time everything got sorted out, they were like, no, no, we've already had the ceremony. Sure. You know, you're, you're too late. And, and that was sort of the thing where, like, you know, the please understand our unique situation. You can't go home to see to bury your friend. Got this. Yeah, you know, and, and that was also sort of like where you realize sort of the seriousness of, yeah, being an expat here, mm. you know, versus, you know. Al, Al had a similar situation, I think, with a very close friend that, I mean, he lived with, he went to school with, yeah. and it was even after being at the at his school for eight years or ten years, it was still very difficult even with a super flexible schedule for yeah. him to uh, for him to for him to take off well that that was the thing like i mean i'd known dave since i was in my second year of university he recruited you yeah yeah and like and but even like when i had a grandparent die like mm. that was the first thing like when i had a grandparent die i remember going to my hogwan and i I'd, I'd written out the korean mm. you know and so I went to my director and I was like, okay, <clears throat> uh, Mrs. Kim, yeah, uh, and she's like, yeah. yeah. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I'm hacking through this. And she's just like, no, impossible. And goes back to her like online game. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, God, this. and so I came back yeah. and I said, no, no, no. Like, I'm not practicing my Korean here. <laughs> you know this wasn't my homework my yeah like dead, man. Yeah. you know and and so what happened was is like she's like okay but you know you're you're fired mm. and you're like <laughs> i was just like it's funny yeah. it's funny now but it's not funny at the time oh but, no yeah it was just it's just like it's funny because of how crazy it is and how yeah. it, unsympathetic how, and unempathetic oh, it is your grandfather died how dare you somewhat slightly impact my yeah. very small, but, but you know that one of, of yeah. twenty five students. But that's not even the that's not even the full scope because yeah. you know for the Koreans like if 
a direct family member dies, you get two days. Yeah. If it's your dad, you get three days. If it's yep. your mom, you get three one day. Yeah. If it's yeah because of the be, because of how the the system works. Yeah, yeah. And if it's your grandpa, you get this and grandma. But like I remember thinking, if my sister dies, I I get one day. But yeah. if my dad dies, I get three days. And I was like, who? How do you put amount of days on each yeah, person? Well, exactly. I mean, isn't it how closely we're connected? Like yeah. If I was raised by my grandparents. And, and my parents weren't around, then wouldn't that make them my parents and oh. be equal to the same amount of days? Please understand our unique situation. Oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, like the worst part about that that particular hog one, too, one of the other teachers took two separate honeymoons. Huh. <laughs> so, like, after that death, I, I had to cover this, this Jeez. like, lady's like, oh, where, where is she? Oh, she's on her second honeymoon. What? They're like, oh, well, you know, like she stayed in Korea and went to Jeju, but now she's going to, you know, international. international. I'm like, oh, yeah. But you also know, like, like in my wife's situation, yeah. if my father is ill yeah. or, or on his last legs, my wife can get granted time off to go and take care of him. Mm-hmm. He's in Canada, <laughs> but the rule applies mm. to everyone, right? And she can get time off to go and take care of my father because that's traditionally what the daughter-in-law did. And I thought... That's in, that's incredible that that still exists. Like, well, yeah, you know, and but it, and I think like that's sort of the the tricky thing, like uh, where we sort of and that's where I realized when when Dave passed was like we're sort of in between, like we've been here a long time, we know the system, but you're still sort of lumped into uh, that you're a commodity, and mm-hmm. as you said, like um, how dare you inconvenience, and and that's sort of the the challenge. I don't think it's unique to us. I think that's the whole the whole country, man. Everyone's, hmm. you know, no no one gets a, a special pass for. I mean, for I'm I'm not looking forward to a day where I'm supposed to go to the funeral home for three days and two nights no. and be up twenty four hours serving drunk oh. adjutants coming to say goodbye to my father in law. Been there. I mean, that, do I? Is that is that's the other side of the coin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, I'm not looking gambling? forward to that either. Was there gambling at your father in law's one? Um, so this the last three I've been to, there's been serious gambling. Uh, yeah. This one, like the only time we did it was just like, it was just a lot of eating. Mm. So like, I had no idea to just like s- sit here and they just like, um, you feed know, you. feed, feed me. The last, dish. the last two or three I've been to in the last two years have been major, heavy, uh, major gambling. gambling. The yeah. It's interesting. Anyways, uh, I wanted to ask you, yeah, what, what is the, well, your learning curve and for aspiring photographers, like, I, I got a SLR camera. Mm-hmm. I like to take pictures, but I don't like doing all the editing. I again, I don't want to sit on Photoshop or whatever. What is the learning curve for people who, you know, everybody likes to have a good camera. And in Asia, everybody has a good camera, it seems. Mm-hmm. What is the learning curve for becoming, not professional, but producing good work? And, sorry, and to add on to that after, you mentioned the National Geographic yeah. guys came and they did a spectacular job for a seasoned veteran what i consider you a seasoned veteran what's the difference between you and the national geographic guy okay made sense first well i think the biggest thing is um the right now what you have here is probably enough to take good photos because the technology inside of it because back in the day like i've gone back and like i've got now like a collection of film cameras and good God, man, like they're, you know, like the amount of um, stuff that you have to keep in mind on a camera from the 1970s 
boggles my mind. You guys remember, like, your dad, all right, let's take a picture. And it was like nothing, right? Quack, quack. Yeah. yeah. And um, now when you, when you uh, pull out your phone, you've got all this technology right there. So it's, it's not about so much the editing and the photography uh, and the, like that. I think that's to another level when you're getting into sort of like magazine and travel stuff. Uh, what it is is just the concept, and um, what I when I took out a lot of newcomers, they're trying to record the situation, and right. what I what I tell a lot of people is, what's the story? Like, what is attracting um, you to this scene? Why do you want to photograph it? And so, like, say going back to the prairies, like. Um, if you're looking at a vast ocean of wheat, there's nothing there, but a trained photographer can say, well, yeah, but you see how, you know, there's that slope in the, in the landscape and the wheat is sort of like swishing back and forth. I'm going to do a long exposure to get that movement. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what you need to train your eye on. And so, you know, jumping into say like, uh, the tourism in Korea, you see a lot of photographers up in Seoul, they've got the big buildings, they've got that Blade Runner-esque thing because that's sort of what they see and it really communicates well with people. So that's the thing is like the concept, the story, doesn't matter what you're taking on. And kind of going into the National Geographic thing, uh, the photographer's name was David Gutenfelder and he was this extremely intense guy, mild-mannered kind of guy. But like when you asked him, like, you know, like, what was your most like um, you know impactful moment? He was like, ah, well, December sixteenth, nineteen twenty-two. Oh no, he was like very calm, but like very like you know we were embedded with the Marines and people were you know dying around us, and you're just like, oh man, I was complaining about getting stuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like oh my battery's died on my camera, you know. Like and he's but his thing was was like because we were people were always focused like oh you know you must have that like ten thousand dollar you know leak a camera you know that that's what you see all the guys he's like is that what you use and he's like half the time i use my phone and it, yeah. like i remember like everybody just went silent and he's like come on guys like if you've ever had to dry film you know, from the shaker canister out the window. I think he was in like Mogadishu or somewhere mm -hmm. as they're like trying to get on the plane. He's like, I, I can get it with my phone mm -hmm. and I can send it off momentarily. And like mm -hmm. he had like, you know, I think just like a Sony camera and his eye was like that sharp where it was like, you know, we're photographing the same stuff. And I remembered he was just quietly like, mm -hmm. click, what do you think? And I'm just like, God damn, that's like, like a cover shot. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know. How am I not seeing this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like one of the times like we were on the solo, um, that bridge thing. And uh, I remembered he just said like, you know, just put this one element, like just learn to see this, like the human aspect of it. And when I took that shot, like it was amazing that like the difference was night and day just by the moving. And that again goes back to that story where like he can just see that. And it's, it's, again, like not about Photoshop. It's not about um, what editing software or what camera you have. Like mm. too many people, oh, I, I, I got to get the 24 to 70. The pissing content. Yeah, you know, and it's just like. Okay, but, but, but hold on. Yeah. Lots of your shots online are processed after the shot. Oh, every single one of them. <laughs> okay, so that's, I mean, I have a good camera. And I think, yeah. man, 
and I'm not as trained as you guys or whatever. I don't yeah. take it out that much. But I can take some good pictures. Yeah. But they never look like yours are all postcard shots. Yeah. Well, again. <laughs> and you I, say you don't need that stuff. but You don't. When you look at National Geographic, I believe you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. You yeah. Can't, you can't do any of it. That, that's the thing. Like, like I do it because that's my style. Like when I, when I look at a, like a sunrise, you know, I don't want that like flats. Like I want fucking fire. And right? nobody wants, that's what people want to see. Yeah. But well, I think when you buy the big camera, people think, okay, I got the big camera. Now I can do it. Well, I think it's but the same. You can't, like, right? Well, I, like it's getting to the point where you you can. But again, it's like it's the same with developing film. You know, like when I got it back into film, I thought, yeah, throw some Kodak in there or something and click away. And I talked to all these guys. Well, no, no, you, you got to use the Fuji blah, blah, blah. And then you got to push process this to get that and i was just like what <laughs> come again mm-hmm. and it was it's always been like that but i think like um the amount of time because like yeah back in the day in your digital lab you had to like tune everything and you'd spend 15 minutes i think with my photos maybe two minutes just going through bumping the levels up moving stuff like so from from the one the shot sunset shots you take or whatever waterfalls whatever two minutes and it's good to go pretty much so yeah oh really i yeah. thought that was is that because the software is so much better now and the program is so much better or I, I think it's what you need to do what you're looking at doing because a lot of people think it's like you're adding in stuff and all that i'm really doing is just sort of it's like adding spice to your food so bringing out the colors more featuring yeah. the because people think oh yeah it's so artificial like no no i'm i'm literally taking like normal and going Beep. and that's it but it's just like the most i would do is uh bracket the images so that i've got the darks to the lights and that will usually take a little bit of time but maybe an extra minute now with the software right. and that's where it, that's i was under the same impression it takes 15 20 minutes to, f- no. to do a picture but I, that wasn't that long ago was uh it? probably five years ago right so okay yeah do you still do flexel flexel yeah the cinemagraphs yeah yeah they um it, they, they've sort of shifted a little bit but um yeah like i think that medium is is widely underused um, I do too. When I see yours, I think I think those things are awesome. When I saw that for the first time, I imagined ten years down the road where every what do you call it, every frame, every picture frame yeah. is just going to be kind of a, a very thin digital screen with, and that you can put a Jason Teal and a actually, running waterfall. In. Actually, it's funny you bring that up because yeah. I'm actually beta testing a digital frame right now. That's mm. this thin. It looks like a picture frame, but it runs like from your phone like i can i can update it um with you know uh molisa my gallery you know family pictures my brother-in-law just bought one for mom and dad he put it up in the kitchen and i said what looks like a little tv yeah and i said what's that and he said well it's a picture frame it's a digital picture frame it's a you can play music on it you can whatever and it's just connected to my phone and i just fire whatever i want up there just the screen yeah and like this one like they've they've sort of made it sort of uh how can i put it like it's it's like it, it looks you couldn't tell it, it was a screen if you like walked up to it right. and it's like a Kindle reader kind of yeah like it's not, not like it's not shiny at all or anything and then yeah it, it's it's completely like it, it's weird though too because I can just wave my hand past it and it'll just change the image and it's, oh. it's kind of cool but 
the cinemagraphs are like what really make this thing sing because you know you'll just look at the frame and oh it's like a nice picture and then you know the water's, water's moving. moving yeah it's yeah moving. Those the, leaves, already? the leaves are <laughs> blowing yeah exactly yeah and so it, it the technology is there i think it's just right now just underutilized or why, why is that i think a lot of people looked at it as a gimmick yeah. um you know just sort of oh yeah you know and it never really became a standard thing, despite seeing it in a lot more ads and stuff. I think a lot of people, it's like, um, you know, the emojis or the little hearts on your faces. I think a lot of people expected it to be like that. Yeah. I like I like the, the pictures where they take a picture and they make it all black and white, except the monk wearing his orange. Yeah, yeah. Like just, just those ways that they modify the, I, I think it's like that. And I think, I think both those techniques are awesome. Yeah, and I, and I think like with that, like the selective color, like it, that sort of became a cliche, especially with wedding photographers, you know, uh, the roses, red. But still to this day, I think that cinemagraphs like still have their place somehow. But, and, you know, and like I still work with the company, like the, they're the ones who sponsored me. They're the ones who got me into the Olympics. That was so, your YouTube channel, right? Was it about that? Cinemagraphs? Uh, no? Some of them, yeah. Like I did a couple of the um, the tutorials on cinemagraphs. So, mm -hmm. you know, like... And, you know, Flixel is great. I think they started off as a Canadian company as well. So, How long do you spend or how much time is required for a seasoned guy like you to, to evolve with photography? Now, I know you're into the drones, the cinemagraphs you're doing yep. um, as the software programs change. How long do you spend learning and, and improving or continual learning your I stuff? I remember seeing uh, Scott Rotzel start yep. from zero. Yeah. And within, I would say within a couple of years, yeah. he was taking pictures and it was Whoa, yeah, that you can see a. Oh yeah. yeah, and I think like yeah, like I still remember when Scott Rotzel came on a photo walk with me, and he was like, oh, "I just got this camera," yeah, yeah. and uh, I think it it takes it depends on what you're what you're going for, like, but I would say it takes years to sort of develop, but it's a it's it's like um it's like a focus thing, because I I know in guys uh, especially that have been in the. Um, photography area in the, in the groups I've been in that they're still stuck on that like record the scene why isn't my shot you know like what did you get you know and I, I think it's 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 a lot to do with sort of the when you're looking at it what you're trying to get out of it because again like Photoshop is an amazing piece of software but if if you're looking at it from the aspect of say manipulating or doing 3D graphics mm. or whatever it's it's all about like how much time you're putting into sort of figuring out the ins and outs um that's that's any any hobby man just buying a camera isn't going to make you a, a super so what about, what about the drone then you got the drone and i mean you must have tested it out but yeah man you you start producing great stuff right away like but, well i think like for me and again like that was the same thing like um i I had shifted my thing on that because I had got the drone because I kept getting kicked off of buildings here. You know, like <laughs> the amount of security guards that would come up. Wait, so, oh, just with a big ildong. Get out of here. You know, like take your tripod with you, you lion bastard. You know, and, and then so like I initially was like, oh, well, I can just set my drone up and then just fly up. But then what I realized was that the uh, the video aspect of it, the perspective that it can gain. And also I have to credit um, the the Korean people with this because the biggest difference I noticed, uh, you know, specifically speaking with drones is it might have changed with the recent Incheon incident, but 
a lot of people were very much appreciative of drone users and happy to see them flying and mm. uh, there wasn't the suspicion so you could you could fly your drone up and no one's gonna be like you know oh you're Good taking time. my freedom you know no, okay, okay. you know get that shotgun paw you know what happened I, I, it, 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 it was when they started coming out at the grant at the Tewa side park mm-hmm. they were annoying buzzing over your head while you're walking through the yeah, flowers yeah, yeah. and I, I want to I, I would have Knocked one down if I could. Yeah. I can't stand them. You're there. You're trying to enjoy the outdoors mm. or whatever. And these five or six of them are Yeah. At the Rose Festival, opening ceremonies, when there's four or five way up there, I could care less. Yeah. But when you're out for a Sunday family walk at the park, I don't need those things buzzing all over my head. But I, I'll, I'll flip this around. How many radios and adjushis walking with their throat music? You know, like it's... Um, cause that, cause that's sort of the thing, like, uh, what do you mean where I'm in a mountain and then subjected to, yeah, like, Toronto, yeah, when you're hiking, I was like, dun, 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 and you're like, <laughs> uh, she, you know, and I think a lot of Koreans don't appreciate that. I think it, it makes them cringe and they want to say something, but usually the guy's 70 yeah. years old, so they can't. Yeah, exactly. But I think like, like the amount of times I've had where people like, cause I, again, like what, what I've said in my blog post and on a, a recent podcast, podcast it, it use your brain. Like, I mean, like if you're, yeah, like if it's, if there's a lot of people around, and this is where a lot of people get like, um, where drone users get into trouble is like, I'm going to put this Hyundai beach <laughs> looking in windows. <laughs> but I don't even think people do that, but I think it's like Hyundai beach middle of the summer and they're zinging past and it's like, okay, dude, why? You know, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing some filming. Yeah, really low, hovering over a certain, you're like, get out of here, you Beyonce. Yeah. You know, and and I think like that's sort of the thing where like, if it's in a situation where you fly over a couple times, you get the footage, you fly back, mm. or it's in an area where like I go early in the morning when nobody's there yeah. at a high enough, mid high enough altitude. So you're not running into airplanes, but you're not you know, giving people buzz cuts. I think it's, it's, it's just common sense, but a lot of people, and this goes back to the Instagram thing. A lot of people, it's like, Oh, I think it's a good idea to fly my drone at Tongdosa while the monks are trying to, pr- what moron, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, you know, and what happened in Incheon was recently they had to ground, I think five planes because some idiot was right. flying his drone. And I'm like, okay, again, like, Where's the one place that you shouldn't fly your drone? Uh, airport. I'm pretty sure it has happened in America too. Oh, it happened in. But, but uh, that. But that being said, the you I saw you mentioned somewhere that the drone registration and regulations and stuff are yeah. coming into effect. What is when? Is there insurance and what? too? And what if we uh, we thought at the Rose Festival yeah. one year? What if we had really young kids at that time? And what if one flew down and like smacked your kid in the head? Well, I, I think like the. The biggest issue here is is that like a, the drone technology makes it almost impossible for that to happen unless you know it just drops out of the sky, power down. But which could happen. Could happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mean, like the like, and this is the thing: like the obstacle avoidance on these things right now is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and like the motion tracking, all of that. But the registration is a good thing uh, because. The biggest issue that you have are idiots that will be a kilometer away, you know, and 
they you know say yeah like say their their drone uh, discharges its battery drops out of the sky lands on you know poor little girl yeah. and then it's you know like again like what are you gonna do oh hey that was me my bad yeah. no you're just gonna be like chuck the controller See you later. <laughs> so yeah i think that like the you're gonna have to do like you're gonna have to have the registration on your drone so that they can track it back to you and things like is that, that. gonna be is that gonna be classified by size or something like surely I yeah. mean, my daughter's learning to fly drones in the kindergarten yeah what would be the what they're going to go with um, is basically the same as I think the international standard. So under 250 grams, you don't have to register. Mm-hmm. So that's a tiny, tiny drone. Uh, Mid range, uh, you'll have to register, and I think there's probably some online component. Over like the cinema sized like monster drones, <laughs> you're going to have to do a full course. Blimp. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if they're going to go like as hardcore as Canada, but uh, they will be. I mean, I think it was inevitable, and, and it's, it's moving that direction, and I think it is good as well. Yeah. Do you want to touch on uh, Olympics? Sure. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool, man. You mentioned earlier that you got a gig yep. doing the doing the Pyeongchang Olympics. Why don't you give us a little insight how you came about getting it and your experience while uh, while doing it? Well, I think like uh, again, I was touching on Flixel, like they were. Um, doing a lot of these cinemagraph booths. And uh, so Visa... um, That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So Visa was looking for a... uh, uh, someone to do that. And then they basically found out that um, they didn't have space, but they still needed photographers. And what was happening was is that they were... I wouldn't say they were on a shoestring budget, but it was a tight budget. Mm. And... Visa. Yeah, I was going to say, I give them a lot of money. Why is the budget so small? You know, and and this is this is sort of the thing that, like, when you when you get into the business, you realize, like, you know, like they visas working on thin margins. Yeah, like they're they they set aside like this chunk, and (laughs) so they couldn't really secure anybody because also too, like the the local photographers were like, oh yeah, visa, okay. Uh, set us up at the uh, the Gangnam Seamark. Uh, we want uh, you know ocean view room and uh, tickets to all the games, and they were just like, uh, no, we just want you to show up and take pictures. Mm. Oh, screw you then. And so they brought me on mm. as their sort of local contact, and then I I put together a team, and we were basically tasked with um, documenting the VIPs, like the board of edu- board of directors, like the high high guys. And it was a very um, eye-opening experience, to say the least, because you see how corporate it is. The Olympics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you guys obviously went up. Yeah. yeah. And you saw the Coca-Cola everywhere. Yeah. Sure. And you saw the Visa signs everywhere. Yeah. I went skating on the Coca-Cola rink, and then they go, here's a here's a little uh, little Coke to, to drink while you're, <laughs> yeah. while you're doing it. And also notice that uh, Getty Images was in full copyrights of all of the games. So uh, what we had happen was initially they're like, okay, you know, you're going to go to the, uh, you know, the VIP access gold medal games. This is going to be great. And then Getty's like, nope. Oh, really? And, um, you know, even some of my shots I posted on Instagram uh, were, were taken down because they said anything facing the games is Getty's property, oh. uh, and it was it was very facing. You mean the ongoing games? Yeah, anything oh. recording well. the game. So I basically had to, as a photographer, 
keep my back to the games and just photograph the the, the clients. And you know, so as like I, I saw like did uh, did Visa know that going in, or was that a surprise uh, to that them as well? Yeah, I think it was a surprise to them as well because Getty, like they put Getty photographers with them for those games to so they got the coverage but i think i i eked in in the last one because there was um a kind of a hilarious incident uh one of the games uh i got to there was two two locations we were based out of seoul and based out of gangneung and i get there and they're like oh you're not on the bus i was like what uh you know they were supposed to be here they're like oh no they left early i'm like uh, okay, so I have to be across the country. Yeah. How? And they're like, mm. oh, can, can you not get a taxi? Uh, and I'm like, uh, you want me to take a taxi? Yeah. Across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm, I'm okay. And so like, oh, oh, hold on. The country is the size of Lake Manitoba. Yeah, exactly. But still, <laughs> like you're going from, you're going from one side. And yeah. so, yeah, sure enough, they like call the taxi. I wow. jump in. Two and a half hours later, I think a three hundred and fifty thousand won taxi fare. No <laughs> I got I got home from wow. from uh, Incheon one time for one hundred fifty. Yeah, split with someone. But yeah, it was it was is hilarious. And then yeah, it was it was awesome though getting the VIP access because you were just like you know you flash the credentials and they're oh, like yeah. this way. And that's yeah, that looks great on a resume too, man. That you're. I, oh I yeah. Mean, if he's ever came back for another well, that another was another event you're shooting. That was the whole thing because, like, I mean, they were really good to work with. Um, and then the lady in charge of all this, like, she was amazing. So, like, I was really hoping the Tokyo Olympics would, uh, you know, we'd get a call. But then that was sort Rona. of Rona. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. So, where you. did your work end up getting published, or what? What ended up happening with the work that you did? That, what we were doing is basically like for the high, high ups, their personal, because um, what what it, what it was like behind the curtain is like when you're that rich, these guys get taken care of. So their friends and family of the board of directors, they would get flown in, picked up at the airport, taken to the Four Seasons Hotel. And then like there was these custom packages. So they would spend the day uh, making Korean food with that um, uh, the Buddhist monk from the Netflix show you know oh, wow. then uh, they would get taken to Gungbukgung and a tour through there and then when they got up to Gangneung they would have the personal coffee so uh, you'd be following them taking yeah. pictures yeah oh, and then yeah so like the the games that I, the one game I was allowed to photograph that was the you know the gold medal uh, snowboarding event you know and Beauty. we were we were in the right up your alley. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it was like you're not in the nosebleeds. This was the, uh, and you know, like it was just not unbelievable. Like they had, you know, Visa branded everything. So like when they left, like they're like, oh, here, you know, here's some gifts. You know, North Face backpacks. You know, with the Visa logo, that sort of thing. Nice. Does something like that pay well? Uh, it, it does. Like, but that was the other thing. Like, you know, you get a quick lesson on budgets and companies and how how far their hands will go into your pockets. Yeah. So, like, I, I won't really touch on on the the finer points, but there was a considerable, um, say, considerable chunk of the budget uh, that went to uh, the company that set this up for minimal effort. So. You know, like that was that was sort of the you know live middle, and learn the middleman. Yeah. You know, yeah, like it was it was really funny because like um, 
you know, they were paid first and then we were paid after. Kind of like, you know, your uh, recruiting, you know, right. <laughs> when yeah. you work at the business classes, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. We had, we had Ryan Estrada on last week and we, we talked to him about monetizing his work. And he said that he, he's, he wasn't interested. He's just, he's following his passion. And if, if it turns out great, if it doesn't, fine. One, how hard is it to make a living as a photographer or, or to, to make it where you don't have to rely on something else? Um, as he mentioned, he's still teaching just to have the health insurance, all that stuff, mm-hmm. because that's the stability. He can do everything else in his in the other time that he has. Are, are you actively trying to make it big? You've got a huge social media presence with all your different stuff. Is the dream or the goal to be a professional photographer full time? And, and if so, how hard is it to make it to that level? It's I, I would say it's uh, I'm going to use the term quixotic. It's it's. Uh, I, I would say it's unre- Can you use that in a sentence, please. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say like it's 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 basically if you're trying to become famous, it's never going to happen. Um, it, it's the uh, quixotic is the pursuit of unreachable goals, basically. Don Quixote. Yeah, you're, you're fighting windmills, and the um, the the problem I have is that like. A lot of photography is business, and, and and as I noticed in that thing with the um, 2018 Olympics, where, but I'll I'll even put this as far back as say with National Geographic, like when I was published, mm. you know, I was doing that dance like uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway, like yeah. oh, I have created fire, you know, like mm. like I was doing that, like oh, I have been published, and you know, dancing around, <laughs> and nothing happened. Like I was expecting, like you know. I open the book, ah, yeah. and then like my phone starts ringing. Oh yes, I'll 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 do that uh, Everest base camp uh, yeah. photo tour. Nothing happens like that. It takes an extreme amount of effort, but it's also it takes an extreme amount of sacrifice. What does it look like? What does a profession? Is it like again? Is it we're flying you here? You got to shoot this. We're flying you. Is it is it like a world travel? <laughs> I no. think that's what we see in the movies, right? Well, yeah. Like I mean, like <laughs> like it, it, it's basically like a lot of times you're gonna get like somebody like like if you keep it like uh, say Korea specific, you know, you keep it, it. You'll get an email where someone will come and say, "Hey, uh, we're coming here. We need a photographer." Uh, this is what we got planned. Uh, can you do it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So and, you'd be the go-to guy. And yeah, like there's a little creative input, like, uh, or it's maybe like, oh, hey, I saw your photos of, uh, you know, this place. Can we use them in our magazine? Cool. This is our rate. But to make a living, it's business. And a good example of this is I, I got an email a number of years ago from – a well-known hotel chain. They said, can you come to Seoul and... Um, Cat's Hotel? Oh, yeah, totally. No. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was you know, it was a pricey place. And they said, well, you know, can you come up and photograph? We saw your your colorful photos. We want that. I said, okay, here's my rate. And they said, uh, it's a little bit out of our budget. Okay, so I said, well, you know, I'll cut it if you give me, you know, if you comp me a room because I've got to come up from Ulsan. Mm-hmm. They're like... Cats Hotel, you check in at 11, yeah. check out between 2 and 3 a.m. and then check back in at night. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Only get a few bed bugs and uh, an STD. But, um, you know, and so they eventually went with a guy. I, I think I, I figured out who they went with for, you know, like maybe like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, and, and that's sort of 
that's sort of the the thing with the business is that like someone's always ready to cut your knees. Yeah, yeah. like and and you know like if, if somebody comes up and says like, hey, you know, we're this. Oh, gee, golly, I just started. Yeah, can you take a picture like that? Sure can. Done. And the days of being the lone photographer are gone because everybody on and and that's where it sort of shifted. Everybody on Instagram, right? You know. Yeah. Um and. So yeah. that's sort of where, like, the, the if you're pursuing it as a career, you better get into weddings or um, family portraits or studio photography. Yeah. Because if you're trying to be, like, everybody, I would say 90% of the people with a camera that come to Korea to um, teach, mm. you know, their byline is travel photographer or travel blogger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like... <laughs> yeah. So you got to uh, you got to adapt with the times, but I do like the niche that you're carving out with the uh, with the uh, with the lighthouses, dude. Oh, I love it. Well, if, you that... haven't, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Korean lighthouses on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you tried the coffee? The coffee is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, a, a lot more sort of um, subtle flavor than you would get with your typical americano. So. What do you? Uh, like are you're familiar obviously with roasts you're, you're the coffee you're the coffee master this she said this is city roast yeah yeah so it's a more fruity flavorful kind of taste but what do you what do you usually drink uh, it's essentially like this is this is like um if i'm and i'm gonna be i'm gonna open the book here like i drink a lot of craft coffee like mm. but uh yeah this like what i'm looking for and this is kind of like a big mistake that a lot of people say think is that like French roast or espresso roast, they think that's for espresso. And um, you burn away a lot of the subtle flavors. Uh, when, if, you, if you over-roast it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can taste that. Like if you ever go to like um, Starbucks and, you you know, there's that like charred taste. Mm. Yeah. Because it's, it's like you look at their beans and they're greasy black. Yeah. A city roast, um, be a full city or that they're like almost like a cinnamony brown color yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. normally what i what i would drink but it's it's a lot to do with the varietal and the uh and where the bean comes, comes from, from yeah. yeah it's uh i've i only started drinking coffee after uh after we had kids and i just couldn't stay up anymore in class <laughs> but then it's and i was the i was the same my wife you said oh, let's go here for coffee let's go there what's the difference why am i paying four bucks for this coffee and this is a dollar Give me the, but now I can kind of distinguish what's a, what's a good coffee and what, what well is like a good story like I always have and I'll, and I'll keep this quick is uh, when I worked in Vancouver uh, we got a uh, micro batch of some of the most expensive coffee in the world Luwak oh no no this was the, well, that, and, it, shit. Yeah, and I've had that it. too and it was terrible but um, did you drink I it? guess so. did you drink it like lukewarm the guy that brought it in one time to my I, I had it straight from the roastery and it was like straight from the cat's ass. I think so. Like I think they had one like <laughs> over the grinder. Like get out of here, little bastard. <laughs> but um, no, like th- this was uh, like when you talk like same with like wine. Like this was a micro batch. You know, okay. I think it scored like a ninety eight point nine on out of a hundred. And um, on, you, on what Jason Teal's approval? I don't know. There's some <laughs> coffee coffee thing like there's a lot of guys who slurp a lot of coffee that so we the the cafe that i was running bought the whole batch for god knows how much money like we were selling a cup for 15 dollars and i remember this lady comes in fuming freaking mad because she bought a half pound for 150 bucks Mm. and she was like this 
just tastes like any other coffee. You guys scammed me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what did, you, what did you, how did you make it? And she's like, well, I put it in the Mr. Coffee machine. Oh, don't jump in a leaf. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like, you know, like, that's like microwaving a piece of Wagyu beef. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like. Good analogy. That's it. Yeah, oh, it's exactly what it was. So I was like, okay, like, here, like, let me make some for you. Try this. And there was nothing, like, we didn't have any special machine. I just made a French press. Yeah the right temperature, the right amounts of water. And she was like, oh, that's like, that can't be the same coffee. And I said, I made it with the bag that you threw at me. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, but Couple I think... beans happen to spill into my own pocket. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, there's another story where a young, uh, horrible thing happened with a young uh, front desk girl who uh, took one of the bags that we had left and made the coffee of the day. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, the the head guy comes in, and we're she's that's like, a thousand dollar pot of coffee, man. Well, pretty much so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're all drinking it, and we're all just kind of doing this, like, wow, that's that's really good. Where you guys and get I was this? like, what? Which one did you use? And she's mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I found one in a Tupperware container, you know, at the back, and we're just like, and yeah, they that, that's they, coming out of your chest. <laughs> well, no, the CEO just like flat face, you're fired. Oh no! Like pack oh. your things and go. Oh God. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll give you seven. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like, so you, you know, there's a, there's a certain flavor that you're you're going for. Mm. But I mean, for day to day coffee, like I start with a uh, usually like an AeroPress or a pour over because the what's an AeroPress? AeroPress is actually something uh, I put. I use straight straight French press for AeroPress. How, how, how many coffees do you drink a day? French and bench. Uh, I usually <laughs> drink about uh, probably about three, maybe four, but I make sure it's like good coffee. Hold on, three or four coffees. What's like you're doing two scoops of beans, like a double shot? Uh, about uh, anywhere between, and this is this is gonna make me sound like <laughs> this a, is the. Hey, listen, mate. He doesn't drink any coffee. I, I haven't one, drank three cups in my life. So. Eighteen grams of coffee beans. Eighteen uh, grams of coffee beans per per cup. I gotta go home and measure my shit. Now. Yeah, but basically, an AeroPress is kind of a cool thing. Like, um, you can pick them up with the Canadian Tire. Like, it's not nothing technical, but it's all like, you have to do is fly home and yeah. fucking go to Canadian Tire. But it, it's it's basically like a really cool device where it's got like a like a plunger. So you grind the beans, put it in the top, fill up the water, and then uh, you know you let it steep for a few minutes. You know about that metal thing? No, it's plastic. What's the metal one? The metal one. The metal one. The one I, all the Italian people at home use the use the metal. Ah, uh, the the um the um the okay. mocha pot. Mocha pot. Yeah. Uh, I have you ever tried one of those? Yeah, my brother. My brother makes bullets. <laughs> no, we don't. He doesn't call them espresso shots. They're bullets. And I stick he, to the double waters. Yeah, like I, like <laughs> I am scared of those things. Like like. Well, that's. I mean, when we used to go and hang hung over to the uh, to the the breakfast restaurant I used to work at in the little old Italian. Italian lady like oh I make you espresso yeah and she makes you a, a, a cup like this of espresso and dude your legs are just going yeah exactly yeah dude, I was shaking it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. many many heart attacks but yeah like I, I I try and keep it to a minimum like I've got my um, Ranchilio espresso machine like in my office basically but when I fire that thing up the the guy downstairs usually has a shit fit so <laughs> oh, yeah, it grinds the grinds I've got the... I've got the whole like it's it's basically like what you would get at a cafe like, but cafe it's miniaturized have so. you been to cafe ropla cafe ropla like you you go in you choose the beans the lady pushes the button and it sucks it out of the tube across the across the cafe you haven't been there no they got really good coffee too yeah where's really that crazy. like uh just behind uh Zai 
uh, Central Zai. Okay, I'll have to it's check that. Good, uh, it's a good one, dude. It's a good one. Anyways, French press and bench press for the win. We're gonna leave. Uh, we're gonna leave it at that. JT, thanks for coming, dude. Check them out online, JasonTeal.com. JasonTeal.com. Uh, I'll, I'll post all the tags in the show notes. In the, yeah, all in right, the guys. show notes below. Yes. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time.